we are in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter, and slowly, and not being able to move as fast as I'd like to, but slowly uh, unraveling and, and understanding what this, these terms mean. Uh, starting at verse 19, 519, the word reads, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I said to you a couple of weeks ago um, that there are basically 15 sins here listed in about four, three to four categories. Um, and one is sexual sins, as we went through the, a couple of weeks ago when I preached bad sex. And then there are religious sins, and then there are social sins, and which are interpersonal, relational types of sins, how we relate to each other. Amen. And then there are sins of excess, uh, just being completely and totally out of control. Amen. Um, today we want to talk about religious sins. Amen. What if someone came to you and said to you and offered to you a way to get everything you wanted out of life? with very little cost to you. They even guaranteed that there would be very little restrictions placed on your life where you could live in any way that you chose to live and still get everything that you wanted. All you would have to do is go outside in your surrounding area and collect a few things. A few sticks there, here, and a few stones there. And rocks, clay, whatever you need to fashion these things and shape these things into an image, a small God, and place this small God in a place of honor in your home, somewhere where you set it up where you could see it and bow down to it and worship it. And, and then in exchange for paying so much homage and attention and honor to this thing that you have fashioned with your own hands, you would get everything that you wanted. I'm talking about idolatry this morning. Amen? 
the way that things worked in the ancient world, uh, uh, it was all about idolatry. This is the way it was. Amen. Certainly people nowadays would say, you know, well, we turn our nose up at such primitive ideas. Amen. Civilized people don't worship sticks and stones. Amen. We don't fashion idols today. Amen. That's the stuff for people that lived in jungles or in primitive times and ancient times long ago. Certainly Christians, Pastor Hawkins, certainly Christians today don't have idols. Or do we? Is this a sin that no longer exists? Or have we just found a new way to do a very old thing? And here's a question for you. What's the core of this sin? Hmm? What is the thing that drives us? If we were to be idol worshipers, what would be the thing that drives us to this sin? Well, I would say it would be the desire to get whatever we want. I'm going to speak to you today from the title, The Idol of Success. The Idol of Success. Idolatry basically is worship or service to demons posing as other gods. Amen? But also worship and service to idols, idols of wealth, idols of pleasure, idols of power, idols of fame. Hmm. Idols of convenience. Amen? Idols of the easy life. Mm. These things all compete against God for the throne of the hearts of men, which none of these things but God has a right to occupy the heart of a man. Amen? So false worship of any kind is idolatry. And you don't just need statues, sticks, and stones to do it. Amen? Amen. In ancient times, idol worship was normal. Everyone was into it. Everyone did it. Idols could be found anywhere. There were statues and temples erected to false gods. They had an idol store. You could walk into your local Safeway, pick up your chicken, and pick up your idol. (laughs) Amen? It was normal. This was a way of life. This is how things got done. Amen? It was like the oil to the car. Amen? This is how things got going. If you wanted something, you needed an idol. These are ancient times. Everyone did it. This is how a woman would get pregnant. If it wasn't in the cards for her to get pregnant, what'd she do? She, she would go to get an idol. Well, I'm going to fix this. Amen? 
This is how you got your crops to grow. Amen? And good times are bad. Good seasons are bad seasons. You want to make sure you want to guarantee that you had crops to come in. You, you know, you, you would plant and, and make sure that you had everything that you needed in your, 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 on your land. And so you, in order to guarantee that you would have a huge harvest, there was a god, there was an idol, there was something that you fashioned with your hands to worship for that. Amen? Amen. This is how people would, you know, be victorious in war. Our army against your army. If we're going to make sure that we conquer you and we are victorious, what do we need? We need to go and worship an idol. <clears throat> the idea is that whatever God that they believed in, his spirit would enter into the idol that you had made with your hands. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're bringing this back to me. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> so idolatry was a means to an end. Idolatry was all about, when you really think about it, success. <clears throat> back then, if you wanted to be successful, you bowed down to an idol. Nowadays, if you want to be successful, you go out and get a degree. You marry the right person. <clears throat> you get in good with all the right people who can bring you to your next level. Improve your brand. Have your divine relationship that you need to run into. You want to be successful, you get all your children together and take them to the right schools so they can say, hey, I graduated from so-and-so. See, we ain't that different. The idol of success. Mm. You do what you have to do to be successful. Now, certainly there's nothing wrong with being successful unless you have no idea or no concept of what success really is. Amen? I would declare truth to you today that if success is sitting on the throne of your heart and not God, then you actually really have an idol. If it's just success... And not God alone. You have an idol. Uh, here's the issue. Back in ancient times, everyone was into idol worship because they believed that the idol had the power to give them what they wanted. They believed that the power was in what they made with their hands and that these deities, so to speak, would enter into these idols and they would be able to receive blessings. Amen? Someone said this, and I quote, Idolatry was pure selfishness. Basically, this is how it worked. You scratch the idols back <laughs> and they'll scratch yours. <laughs> The idol needed food sacrifices. You ever go to the restaurants and you see the little idol on the counter and then they put food out? Whatever happens to that food? I don't... 
I said, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, some of my favorite spots to eat at, I'm going, huh, what happens if the idol actually eat the food? <laughs> but the idea is that you feed the idol, give it sacrifices, and then somehow you get blessings out of that. So all you had to do was do your stuff, and then the idol would somehow be obliged to give you everything that you wanted. Okay? Selfishness. The religion was not true religion. Amen? There's no adoration of God. There's no true worship of God. There's no uh, accountability to these idols. Amen? It was just a religion based on negotiation. I negotiate with this idol. I list my terms, therefore I should get what I want. We have an agreement. That's what it was about. There was an element of manipulation to it. I could technically do whatever I wanted because I'm not really accountable to this idol. All I'm doing is just manipulating these so-called gods to get what I want. The idol of success. There is a tendency for people today to think that we have evolved from such primitive thinking. When the truth is, the impulses that drive us to our idols, though they may not be made of sticks and stones, are pretty much the same. Nothing has changed. We just created an updated version of committing a very old sin, idolatry 2.0 or something. The idol of success is all about success and success only. And that's what it's really about. Amen? Galatians 5, 19. I'm not going to get past probably this word today, I can tell. Now the works of the flesh are made manifest. The works of the flesh are obvious. We went through it, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and then it says idolatry. And maybe by God's grace we will hit witchcraft next week. But basically, the works of the flesh are made obvious. You know what you're doing, and you know how to identify what spirit you're operating in by these terms. Amen? If you see idolatry in your life, then you are basically functioning not out of the spirit. You're functioning in the flesh. Okay? When you see these things, you're operating in the flesh, not the spirit. And these things are condemned by God. I, idolatry is something that God hates. Amen? Genesis 35 and 2. Then Jacob said unto his household. Genesis 35 and 2. Then Jacob said unto his household... And to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. There needs to be repentance from dependence on these things that have no power. Amen? Amen. The Jews were introducing an idea that was foreign 
to the rest of the world, the other nations. And that was the idea of a one true God. That was something that was pretty much new to the rest of the world. Amen? Only the Jews who God had given his law to had understood this and carried this idea or this concept or this belief system. Amen? Amen. So what's happening here is the truth of a one true God was really a foreign truth to everyone else in the entire world. Nobody really believed that. Amen? It was foreign to all the other nations because they were used to having optional gods. <laughs> you know, the other nations had a God for this and a God for that. So whatever you were focused on the time, at that time, it was, you know, that was the God, so to speak, that was getting the most attention from you. Amen? Uh, that was the God that you paid all the attention to. If I needed a better harvest, I prayed to the harvest God. Amen? If I needed God to fix a certain problem in, 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 in the land, I would pray, pray, to, pray to that God. If, I, if my children were acting up, I had a child, child act right God. <laughs> so people just all over the place. When, when the Jews came in, they said, no, there's only one God. Well, that would pretty much present a problem to the rest of the nations because it was not logical for one God to be over everything. Why? Because what if that one God decided to do something that you didn't want him to do? Uh, what if that one God allowed something that you did not like? Uh-huh. For them, the other nations, this was too risky. To put all your hope and all your trust and all your belief and all, all, of you, all of what you were hoping for, to put that all in one God, that was too risky. So they had multiple God. Because if this God wasn't doing what I want, I'd just go get to, you know. <laughs> I got options. You hear me? So it's really selfish in nature. You see what's happening here? I got a God that I shape. And if this God don't do what I want to do, then I go get another one. So you come telling me there's only one God. That's not going to work for me. I'm, in, I'm really in this thing only for me. <laughs> it's the idol of success. Are you hearing me? Amen. Isaiah 48, 42 and 8. Isaiah 42 and 8. God forbids this. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. There is no competition here. Amen? Neither my praise to graven images. It upsets God when we have something else on the throne versus him. Amen? When we, when we give ourselves over to these other things, whether we are clear that that's what we're doing or not, sometimes we're not always a very, very tuned in to the things that we are putting in the place of God. We have high places that need to be brought down. We have, you know, idol worship that we have in our hearts because they don't recognize that that's what we're doing. Why? Because we're going to God for things and not, as I've said before, God himself. Amen? I will not give my praise to graven images. I will not give my glory, share my glory with another. You see this? 
And then 1 Samuel 7 and 3. Oh, I love this. 1 Samuel 7 and 3. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord, underline this, with all your hearts. You see that? Take your pencils out. Underline that. Highlight that in your in your book. If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. There is an understanding that on a daily basis we need to come to God in repentance for these things that we place above him. I need to come to God with my heart prepared. I need to ask the Lord to help me in this area because I have a tendency on a daily basis, save Christian, fill with the Holy Spirit, fill with the Holy Ghost Christian. I'm telling you that if I'm not careful to do a heart check and confess this stuff to God, there's something else that will creep, in, creep up in its place. And before you know it, I'm in bondage to something I don't even know I'm serving. Because it really ain't about God. It's really about me. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. The high places have to come down, saints. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I got to go to God because in this world system, they tell me it's all about me. Ah. Serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. One thing that always shows up with idols is bondage. Woo! Always. When you got the wrong God that you're serving, when you got the wrong agenda, when you're putting some other thing before God, then what ends up happening is you slip into something that puts you in a place of bondage. Because that's all Satan can really offer you. He don't want you free. but what puts us there what puts us there I'll tell you what it is I want success Lord I need success Lord I know that things are going well when they look like this I need you to fix it Lord I want you to do it for me, Lord. Change all this. Change that. It's all about what I want. What if God and his idea of success is completely, totally different than what we think it is? That's the question. uh, Don't get ahead of yourself, Jamie. Slow down. Okay, watch this. I wasn't going to go here. Uh, Keisha, you may not have this, and, and now you may not have this scripture, but it's Second Chronicles 14, uh, 1 through 7. Second Chronicles 14, 1 through 7. It may not be on the screen, but, you know, we have our Bibles. That's why, you know, we can actually read. Praise the Lord. It's okay to bring your word with you. Amen? There was this king by the name of Asa. Amen? There was another guy that was before him. And Asa becomes king. And let's see, let's see. Um, Asa and his son resign in, in instead, and he in the days of the land. Okay, and the land was quiet 10 years. Okay, in verse 2, 
Second uh, Chronicles 14.2. Yeah, thank you, Keisha. And Asa did that which, is, which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. Amen. Verse 3. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places. You see it? He, he break down the images and cut down the groves. Amen. And commanded Judah, verse 4, to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments. Help me, Holy Spirit. Also, he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places. There it is again. And the images uh, in the kingdom was quiet before him. The high places were places that they would go to meet with these fake gods. You know, you had your idols and then you got, you got your temple in, in, in a high area. You know, these are special places that they, you know, so, so you, don't, you don't just take out the idols. You take out the, the statues and the images and all that stuff. And then you go to the high places and you condemn those areas and you say, no, you ain't going up here no more. This is, this is, not, this is not where the one true God is. He's not in some high places. He's everywhere. Amen. So he brings all that down. Amen. Uh, uh, and then, uh, then verse 6 says, And he built fenced cities in Judah. For the land had rest and had no war in those days. Why? Why? Because the idols are gone. Because the Lord had given them rest. Are you seeing that? Amen. Verse 7. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates. So he's kicking out the idols and he's fortifying the cities. He's putting up the guardrails. Amen. We're going to keep this stuff out. Amen. We're going to protect ourselves against these, you know, other nations and, and their belief systems and their practices and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So he says, okay, so let's, let's put up the gates and the bars while the land is yet before us. We act quickly while we have time. Amen. Because we have sought the Lord, our God, comma, we have sought him. I love that. Because we have sought the Lord, our God, comma, we have sought him and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. So what's happening here is Asa is experiencing success. Asa is experiencing uh, prosperity. Amen. Asa is experiencing peace. Amen. There's a certain amount of time where they are prospering and, and the, the enemies are not coming in. There's peace. He has time to build. Why? Because he sought the Lord. Comma. We sought the Lord. Amen. Our, our, we go to God for what we need. Amen. We are kicking out that other stuff and, and we're going to the one true God. Amen. We ain't calling uh, the, 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 the psychic hotline. We ain't, <laughs> we ain't reading the cards and looking at the stars and getting, huh? Trusting in the wisdom of man, which is nowhere near the wisdom of God. We, we are seeking the Lord as to what we need. And what happens? The Lord has given them rest. They build and they prospered. You see that? All right. Now, if you go down a little bit to verse 11, then there's a test. Who shows up, Lord? That's right. The Ethiopians, they show up and they're coming at the gate. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing to thee, uh, nothing, it is nothing with thee to help. 
whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, Lord. Uh-huh. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name, we go against this multitude. It, I'm not going to my own power. I don't serve my idols anymore. I put that away. I'm trusting the success of what happens on this battleground and whatever I'm dealing with, that's in the hands of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. No, I trust in God. Amen? He says, listen, O Lord, thou art our God. Let man let not man prevail against thee. So what happens? Verse 12. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Now, here comes test two. Drop down to the 14th verse in the same chapter. And they smote all the cities round about uh, Gerar. Help me, Lord. For the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, okay, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. Uh-oh. Here it comes. You see it? They smote also the tents of cattle and carried away the sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. So the Ethiopians get defeated. They take all the spoil. They're riding high now. Things are going well. We kicked out the idols. And we're doing the going well. In the next chapter, chapter 15, don't turn to it, just trust me, it's there. I believe it's in the 17th verse somewhere. It says that he had to deal with some more idols, but this time he didn't take down the high places. He left them up. And then in chapter 16, what we see is something rather interesting. In chapter 16, same king, Asa, it says, uh, Asa, then Asa brought out silver and gold. What happened? The Assyrians this time are attacking. And Asa, instead of trusting in his God, uh-oh, now that he's loaded with cash, now that he's had a little success, now that, you know, they've been riding high for a while and experiencing some peace, he forgets his day-by-day need for God when he was in trouble. And he sees this army outside the Assyrians. And what does he do? He goes out there, verse 2, he says, And then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord, which God gave him, and of the king's house, and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thee, and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold, uh-huh. Go break thy league with the uh, Basha. That's a, a diff, I don't want to go all in that king of Israel, that he may depart from me. Amen? And so they make some kind of a league here. But something interesting happens. Because he trusted in his success, and not God, verse 7 says, at that time, Hanani, the seer, the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God. Therefore, the host of the king of Syria accepted out, has escaped out of thy hand. And then he says in verse 8, Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them out of thy hand. And then verse 9, 
For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. And Asa, from the time that he trusted in his riches to make a deal with these demonic people and his idol of success, he ends up having wars from, the time that, from that time on to in, in time he dies. Do you see what's happening? Idol worship. The idol of success got to his head. He stopped trusting in God. And he trusted in what he had. And he failed. Things changed from then on. It was not only about idol worship just to get what you want. It was not only about the Jews introducing the one God religion into the world. It was also about when Christianity came along, them telling the people what idol worship really was about. 1 Corinthians 10, 19, 21. What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Christianity took it a step further. True believers brought an element uh, of truth and awareness to what was happening with idolatry. And they said, listen, you're not really serving this God that you made up. You're really serving a demon. Oof. Messing with demons. Demons disguised as other types of gods. My goodness. Let me bring this home. What's the problem? The idea that we can manipulate God in such a way that brings about circumstances that are favorable to us in itself. That whole idea, that whole concept is demonic. It's not of God. Here's the problem. I said it before, I'll say it again. We don't, as human beings, really know what success really is. God has a purpose for our lives, and his purposes are exactly the opposite of our default human desires, people. The only way out of this kind of thinking is the Holy Spirit has to inject inside the believer the desires that come from the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we will be right in league, right in tune, right in step with the world. I don't know what success really is unless I go to God and have him tell me. Are you hearing me? I know that's hard to hear. But the truth is, is if, you know what? The wisdom of man, when we exalt the wisdom of man, instead of repudiating our own wisdom, then we end up on the same page as the world. We have to humble ourselves and say, you know what? I just got here. I really don't know. God, you've been here forever. If I want to know what success is, I might want to come to you about it. Why? Because I can make an idol out of it. I really don't know. I really don't know. When we're operating in the flesh, 
these desires that are worldly and take over. And we actually end up functioning like we don't know God. Amen? So what is success? How do we deal with this tendency to make an idol out of what we want and just use God and manipulate God? How do we deal with it? Well, we deal with it with truth. Amen? Yeah, we can pray about it. We can get somebody to slap some oil on us. That, that's true. We can run around and shout. And that's, you know, if we feel good about God and we're happy about God, we can, you know, get a little release like, you know. <laughs> church was good. How do you know church was good? I ran somewhere. I, you know, someone slapped some oil on me and now I'm all greased up and ready for God. But if you don't have any truth, then the truth cannot make you free if you don't have the truth. Are you hearing me? So what needs to happen is there's another perspective (laughs) from the outside has to come to us. We can't get the perspective from ourselves. There's got to be somewhere, someone who injects this idea into us because other than that, we'll just go right along with what we've been doing. Amen? Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. Jeremiah 9. Write this scripture down. 23 and 24. I had my, my, my wife had my children sing this the other night. This, this, is, this is deep. Watch this. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So success to God is totally different than success to man. He didn't mention anything about getting a bunch of stuff in that sense. He said, do you know me? That's the goal, people. Do you know me? You may have some might. You may have some riches. But God will not delight in the things that you get. God delights in the fact that you know him. Which means that you can have, <laughs> you, that you, you can have whatever you want. It doesn't make any difference whether or not God is really pleased with you. Your status financially, your status as far as your wealth, your status as far as your riches, your status as far as what you can accumulate is not an indication that God is pleased. Are you hearing me, saints? Your status as far as power is not an indication that God is pleased. We got world rulers that God can't stand. Are you hearing me, saints? It's not an indication that you are really successful. You know what success is? That I know him. That's how somebody like John the Baptist, not wearing Gucci, can stand right next to the richest centurion. And God will say, no, no, John is the greatest prophet of all. He don't even have a good outfit. He ain't even got a place to live. He ain't got no penthouse nowhere. No deluxe apartment in the sky. Ha, ha. 
All he's got is his knowledge of God. And God is saying, see, that's, you, you got to be careful with this. You can make an idol out of success if you're not careful with it. You better know the Lord. Somebody standing on some street corner begging for some change can have an idea of who God is. And you and the Mercedes Benz have no clue. And God can say, you know what? I'm more pleased with this one. Let's just be honest. Let's just be real. In our flesh, in our flesh, with our ideas of what success is, in our flesh, some of us may wish we could have had a meeting with God before we came to the planet. Let's just be real. Come on. Lord, I'm going to talk to you about the things that you're going to allow in my life. <laughs> Lord, I see a few things on this side of the list that looks pretty good. You know, you're going to take care of me. You're going to be faithful. You're going to put food on my table. I'm not going to go crazy. I appreciate that thing, Lord. But, you know, side B of this list, I'm not so certain I like. I'm going to talk to you about this thing. Why do I have to endure storms? Why do I have to go through disappointments? Huh? Why do I have to have heartbreak? Why am I experiencing pain? Why do you have that on the schedule? For July in 1990. I, I, I don't understand. Why am I dealing with sickness? Why do you have these things? Why are you allowing sickness and financial problems? Why am I going to get stabbed in the back? Why, why am I going to have to deal with betrayal? Why is my family members going to do me in? Why am I going to be misunderstood? Well, I, I don't understand. Why are you allowing these things? And there are, are these things, Lord, you know, before we get to the plan, are these things really necessary for me? The tools that God used may cut, but they're absolutely necessary for shaping you into the person he wants you to be. Because the low times is where you come to depend on God and, and trust in God and pray to the one true God. It's those high times where we get lost. It's those high times where we forget what, we're, what life is really about. Amen? So some of us wish we could negotiate some things with God before we came here. That's idolatry people you can't shape God into what you want him to be <laughs> you can't shape God into and make him decide what is okay for you we won't grow if we only go with our list ah. listen saints if Jesus couldn't escape his cross what makes you think you're going to escape yours You see it? Okay. The idol of success is even being worshipped in some of the churches today. You got these preachers preaching this prosperity where it makes it seem like if you don't have everything they have, something's wrong with you. God must not be blessing you. Success to us in these, some of these preachers, it only looks a certain way. Huh? So whenever you go through some storms in life, whenever you go through some things that are not, you know, considered to be favorable, we have a misunderstanding. We, we get confused. We, Lord, do you really love me because you're allowing me to go through? The problem is if our understanding of success is not right. Uh, our understanding of what, what, what it means to please God is not right. 
Our understanding of, of what it means to, to be approved by God. The truth is, is that God is looking at one thing. Not whether or not you're having an easy time. He wants to know, do you know me? Do you know me? Do you understand me? See, some of us can't, we, we, we want to discredit God because we don't like God's methods. But the truth is, is God is looking for us to trust him in those methods. God's looking for us to trust him in those storms. God is looking for us to trust him as we're walking out, huh? as we're walking through it. I don't know what you're doing, God. I don't understand, but precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, <laughs> help me stand. <laughs> I get tired and I get weak. I get mourned huh? <laughs> through the storm and through the night. Lead me on <laughs> to the light, precious Lord. Take my hand, take my hand. Uh, some of us would do better if we could walk with God blindfolded because when we get our eyes on everything else, we, we get lost. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thanks. You got these preachers telling you something must be wrong with your life because you're going through. You have no idea what God is doing. He could be smiling on you right now. Just going, you know what? I don't know what, where my next meal is coming from. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know what's going on. I don't, this world is crazy. It seems like nothing's going right. And God's going, looking good, sweetie. Looking good. Looking good. Woo, now you got it. Now you got it. Now you got it. Looking just like my son, Jamie. Looking just like my son. Praise the Lord. You getting it? You getting it? All right. Wisdom is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve those perfect ends by perfect means. And there's only one who can do that. God. His intentions are perfectly pure. Perfectly pure. So what does that mean? When we see Jesus face to face, it will be revealed to us whether we can see it now or not. When we see Jesus face to face, it will be revealed to us that God never made a bad decision. God never let us down. Huh? Whatever he allowed, it was right, it was good. Whatever he allowed in whatever amount, it was perfect uh, in precision and timing. Huh? Whatever trouble that we experienced, it was just right. Not one decision that God has made in error in the slightest degree. We will not have anything to say to God, but thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for me. I did not know. I did not know. I didn't understand what you were doing then. But you've given me the right perspective. I get it now. I see why you said no. I see why you said not yet. I understand why you said, no, no, you can't go over there just yet. You ain't ready for that just yet. I'm putting the, no, no, you ain't, that's not for you, honey. That's, you know, don't, don't you, don't you look at what everybody else is going through and everybody else and what they have and decide that God is not making the right decisions for you. If you're not careful, that idol will slip in. Are you hearing me? Uh, God has considered every last one of our faults. He's considered every one of our sinful ways. He's considered all of our mistakes. 
all our times of high faith, all our times of low degree faith. He's considered all that and he has calculated everything. And he still has enough wisdom and enough power to guarantee that he will deliver us to our predetermined destiny of victory. It's fixed. It's fixed, people. I'm, I'm struggling as I preach this, but I'm preaching to myself. This thing is rigged. It's fixed. God has got it all worked out. But here's the problem. When, we're, when I start doubting God, that's when I can slip in to have these thoughts where, wait a minute, maybe I need to try something else. Maybe it needs to be about something else. The truth is, is I don't have the right mind to even know what success really even is. His purposes are different. Amen? Faith is trusting God even when you don't understand what he's doing. That's the difference between us and the world. Amen? When the world has trouble, they jump ship. When the believer who has the Holy Spirit inside has trouble, we hold on. (laughs) Yeah. There it is, God. We hold on. We go, oh, no, no. No, no. I know what it looks like, but this this thing ain't going to end like this. No, no, no. I'm going to see him face to face. He's going to bring me out of this. I'm going to be all right in just a minute. My help is coming from the Lord. (laughs) I'm going to be all right. Tomorrow's going to be another day. I'm going to trust God in spite of what it looks like. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. What's the purpose? Philippians 3.10. That's the last scripture to be done. Ooh, hallelujah, Lord. You preached this. I didn't, have, I didn't know where I was going, but you preached this. Thank you, Lord. Philippians 3.10. Not the idol of success, saints. Again. Amen. Not about what we get and what we think we're entitled to for our visit on the planet. Amen. But look at this. Look at this. Philippians 3.10. This is, what a, this is what a lot of folks won't teach you, but this is the truth. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In the fellowship, koinonia, having things in common with his what? Sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Amen? Just that much. What's this really about? This is what Paul was saying. He said, you know what? You can have all the rest of this stuff, but these are my goals. Talk about transformation. Talk about a different perspective. Huh? That I might know him. What? That I might become more like him. Amen? Amen. And the power of his resurrection, the power to raise the dead is now in you and me. We have the power to have resurrected living. We have power to have resurrected thinking. It's now possible. Amen? Amen. The power to raise ourselves from sinful living. The power to raise ourselves from sinful goals. Wow. Amen? Amen. And the fellowship of sufferings. Having suffering in common with Jesus. This is what some people just don't like to hear, but it's true, saints. Huh? Having suffering in common with Jesus, not bypassing the tools that God uses to change us. Huh? Having suffering in common with Jesus, not bypassing the suffering and believing that we can grow from easy street and success. No! That's not the pattern, saints. I'm sorry. Being made conformable unto his death. 
What does that mean? Dying to sin. Dying to my selfish desires. Dying to it's all about me. Huh? Dying to this world system, the lust of the eye, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Dying to all those things that lead to death. Huh? He's given us his life. What did, think about this, saints. What did Jesus really come here with? Think about it. Was he successful? Did he show up in a palace even? Was he born, huh, with Saks Fifth Avenue on him? <laughs> was he blinging? Did he have a pimp pinky ring on when he was... <laughs> Is this the Jesus that we, come on, have we taken a really good look? You know why? It's a scary thing. We come face to face with our selfishness when we do that. Don't we? We come face to face with our hidden agenda while we're serving the Lord from the front row. It's true. I suffer, I deal with this myself. God has to remind me, Jamie, it's not really about all that. Jamie, you don't have to have that. I'm still going to take care of you. I'm pleased with you. If you accomplish this goal, that's great. If you don't accomplish this goal, my perfection is already made up for it. It's all, it's all okay. Don't worry about it. What, what, should, what should you be doing, Jamie, right now? Getting to know me. That's the goal. That's the goal. The main point here is repentance from the sin of depending on idols or any other thing that is not God or of God. Repentance from depending on idols or any other thing that is not God or of God. The solution is trusting in the goodness of God no matter what he allows to come in our life. This is how you keep yourselves from idols. 1 John 5, 12. Little children, little children, keep yourselves from idols. How do I do it? I focus on his goodness. I focus on the truth. Huh? I allow God to send whatever he allows, and I trust him in spite of what I see. Everybody wants a God that they can shape. Everybody wants a God that they can twist. Everybody wants a God that they can control. Got a bunch of control freaks in the church. My way or the highway, Jesus. What what you've done for me, Jesus. I get joy when I think about the list you've done for me. I get joy when I think about what I'm about to make you do for me. (laughs) The truth is all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And his purpose is always to get you and I, whether it's good times or bad, to look more and more like his son. Are you hearing me? God loves us enough to allow things that we may not like so that we can look more like Jesus. What is idolatry? Very simple. It's an attempt to dictate to God the terms and events of our lives by manipulating him to doing what we want him to do. That's really what it is. 
It's not just the serving of God. It's why you serve some false god. The idol of success is real. I think one of the things that we're dealing with even in this pandemic is finding out what life is really all about. We got folks, and I'm going to be careful with this, we got folks jumping off of bridges, jumping out of windows, winning contests and beauty contests and, and, and plummeting to their death. Some of them may have mental problems, some of them may have issues, but a lot of folks are just upset because life is not turning out the way they want it to. Am I real? Am I being honest? Uh, and then here comes the pandemic and shakes everybody up, and now everybody's going, wait a minute, what am I really living for? What am I doing it for? What is this really all about? It's just enough time for us to get a reality check and realize that the best thing to have is knowledge of God. That way, when you're up, when you're down, I'm at peace. You hear me? Father, I thank you so much for this message. 